Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. I remember when I was three and I rode an elephant or when I was, you know, like when I was four and we were at the petting zoo in Chiang Mai. At that time, it was a lot more open. So it's like the animals were just kind of out. Like I remember this like massive python that was just kind of like, <laughs> just kind of crawling on the ground and stuff. And there was an orangutan there and it took my mom's big cup of Diet Coke she had and just chugged the rest of it. And, oh my God. You, know, you know, so it was cool having, you know, just having like early memories of that. I don't claim to be perfect, but every day I just strive to live a little bit more like Jesus. In the Bible, one of the authors, Paul, talks about how, like, when you're, a, you know, when you're an infant, you get fed milk, but as you grow, you need meats. And I think a lot of people, we, we just kind of get satisfied with with milk that we never move on to meat. It's always, you know, about like, you know, reaching up to better yourself but then also reaching down to help better others. I think everything that the Bible considers sin really stems from pride. If I truly believe that my friends who don't know about God will spend eternity without God, then like, how am I showing love to them or how am I being like Jesus to them by not telling them about that? Expectation without conversation leads to conflict. If we aren't in love with each other, then I don't think that we can be the best parents that we can be to Soren. Find people who, it's like you can look at them and, for example, if they're older, you know, like someone who you can look at and be like, wow, when I'm your age, I want to be just like you. When I'm 63, I hope that I'm, I hope that I'm like my dad. Ryan Nyquist is a husband to Christina and a dad to their son Soren. Together they reside in South St. Paul, Minnesota. Ryan serves as the worship director and oversees the young adult ministry at Faith Covenant Church. He has a master's degree in theology and considers himself a lifelong learner who continues to read, study, and research whatever he desires to learn more about. In his spare time, Ryan enjoys going to the zoo with his family, spending time with close friends, drinking good coffee, hunting, and playing with his band. Ryan considers his purpose in life to show the love of Jesus to all he encounters. He does this by showing compassion to those in need, taking responsibility when he fails, and showing grace when others do opening up his homes to others, speaking love and truth in all things, and connecting others with love. He doesn't claim perfection in any of this, but strives to live a little bit more like Jesus every day. I met Ryan this past summer after a special friend in Thailand connected us. She told me that Ryan would be someone my age whom I would get along with very well, having also lived in Thailand himself. He is also someone I could seek wisdom from with the faith and family he has put together at the same age as me. Ryan and I met for coffee, and I was captivated with his thoughtfulness and zest for what drives him in his daily life. Since, we met several more times, and I love the wisdom he carries as a husband and father that is so different than my own, despite being the same age. Speaking of his baby, Soren, I apologize for some of the crying you might be able to hear in the background. I think Ryan has a clearly defined mission, and I'm happy to share it with you. Please enjoy my conversation with Ryan Nyquist. Hey Tanner. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm great. Happy to sit down and talk to you today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. So I brought you on the podcast because I think you're a person of purpose. Could you kind of tell me what you feel is your purpose on this earth? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, 
Uh, see, I wrote a little purpose statement here for today's show, so I'll just uh, share that with you here. Um, I consider my purpose to be uh, to show the love of Jesus to everybody who I encounter. Um, do this a couple different ways by showing compassion, by taking responsibility in my failures and uh, showing grace to others in their failures. Uh, do this by um, by sharing and opening up my home to others, by speaking truth and love in all things and uh, correcting others with love as well. And I, mean, I don't claim to be perfect, but every day I just strive to live a little bit more like Jesus. Sounds great. Very cool. Um, Thank you. Has there been anything that's happened recently that's made you feel more assured that you're kind of on the right place on this path of purpose? Yeah, you know, I think, well, probably the biggest thing is just in different relationships that I have, you know, um, whether that be like relationships with friends where we're like, we just have like a really great conversation, you know, whether it's about, you know, about God or some sort of struggle or something like that. And let's see, just being affirmed by others as well. You know, it's always good to get like some sort of uh, encouraging affirmation, you know, that you're doing good work and stuff. You know, like it's not like a, not like a prideful moment, you know, like, wow, look at Ryan. He's great, you know, but, but it is good to get encouraging comments from folks as well. Cause, cause again, that is kind of like an affirmation that, you know, that you are doing good work. Right. Right. That's cool. Can you uh, take us a little bit? backwards on uh, your journey into faith and how did Jesus become a part of your purpose? Yeah, well, um, so you mentioned before that I grew up in Thailand. Uh, so my parents were missionaries when I was when I was young. Um, my dad had been a pastor uh, before that and then and then I was born and then we entered the mission field. So we moved to Thailand when I was roughly six to eight months old. I guess I don't know exactly. Yeah, so needless to say, the whole idea of, of God and of, of Christianity was a part of my life for, I guess, my whole life. Yeah, so I would say really from a young age, you know, really adopted that, the Christian faith. But really, I would say I really made my relationship with, with God something that was my own and something that I um, truly wanted to to strive after in life. Probably my senior year of high school. So it's kind of a big chunk of time between when I was a young missionary kid to a senior in high school. And really, you know, within that gap, it's not like I was like running around doing whatever I wanted to do, you know, but it's like, it's like for that chunk of time, it's like my relationship with God was just something that I did, you know, like I would go to church on Sundays, I would go to youth group on Wednesdays and all of that, you know, but like, it wasn't really anything that was real to me. So when I was a senior in high school, my youth leader, um, he recommended that I read the book of Ecclesiastes. And I was like, I was like, Ecclesiastes, like, you know, nobody reads Ecclesiastes, you know, which is a book in the Bible in the Old Testament. And, and, uh, and, you know, but of course I took them up on it and I read it and just got like, like super convicted of all these areas in my life where I was like super prideful. Um, like, like the first couple of verses of Ecclesiastes just basically talk about how like everything is meaningless, you know? And like, yeah, like within that moment, you know, just like all these thoughts of things that I was doing, like even good things, you know, like, um, like being, like being on the worship team from our youth group and, you know, playing music every Sunday and all that stuff. I was like, wow, like even that is an area of pride for me. And that's something that I need to, to really get in check, you know? And so, yeah, so that was, I think when I made a big shift in life to where it was really, like, it was really just about like me and God, you know, not me trying to show off with my musical abilities or, or me just doing a good thing and going to youth group or going to church and all of that stuff. Yeah. So pride is a big element of it. Like, uh, yeah. Getting a little bit away from your ego or selfishness or what is it related to pride? Yeah, I think so. I think, well, like I think everything that the Bible considers sin really stems from pride. Like for example, for people who struggle with lust, you know, that's kind of like a, like a, like a prideful desire or a selfish desire that we need to fulfill or people who struggle with greed. It's like a prideful desire, you know, that we, you know, that we want to have more and more and stuff, you know? So I think that everyone struggles with a little bit of pride because we all struggle with sin in our lives. If you're, if you're a Bible believing person, but, uh, but yeah, so for me, I mean, you know, if I were to go back and talk to 10th or 11th grade Ryan, you know, I probably would have told you, it's like, no, I'm not a prideful person. I'm a humble guy. You know, look at all these good things I do. You know, again, like I'm on the worship band at church. I go to youth group. You know, I don't swear. I don't drink or anything like that. You know, 
But, uh, but yeah, but hindsight, looking back, it's like, wow, I was a prideful kid. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So what what is God to you? What is God to me? Wow, that is a huge question. You talked about replacing pride with, with God, like um, not feeling prideful for your band, but actually feeling <laughs> yeah. connected to God. What is God? Yeah, well, I mean, um, so I'm a firm believer that God is a being, that, you know, that God that God is a being that, you know, that, that has always existed, that is outside of time, created time and space and everything that is within it, including us and, and the world. Um, you know, I believe that, that Jesus was God in, in flesh who came to this earth and, you know, who lived among us and died and rose again so that we could have life forever with him. And how is, uh, your, your, your connection with God related to your purpose? Well, I mean, I firmly believe, well, there's a passage in scripture that, uh, that defines God as love. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't say that God is loving, just, you know, one of the characteristics, but it defines God as, as love. And I think that within, within that love that God is, I guess out of that love, God created us and, and like any good father would to his son or mother to her daughter or, whatever that comes with a set of instructions for living and i think you know that within within the within those instructions i think that god you know you know god uh calls us to love one another you know in the in the new testament you know there uh, jesus talks about you know the greatest commandment being love the lord your god and then the second is love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. so i think out of those two commandments that's kind of where my purpose comes from very cool so very yeah. cool thanks um, has it been challenging to stay committed to a purpose-driven life through Jesus? Yeah, I'd say so. I, mean, I think anyone who tells you that it's not challenging is either lying to you or isn't living it out to the fullest of their abilities. <laughs> but yeah, like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I get persecuted on a daily basis for believing in God or anything like that. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, I, you know, I am fortunate to live in a place where to where I can share my faith freely with, without that. But at the same time, I mean, I would say there are, there, are, there are different things. Like, it's one example. Like, I'm a guy who likes to do research and likes to study and all of that stuff, you know. So, like, if I read a book that that is, like, a pretty convincing argument against God or against Christianity or, or whatever, you know. You know, like, I'm not always super quick to brush it off as, like, oh, well, they're wrong kind of thing you yeah. know so like it's something that i want to read and i want to study and you know i want to know it you know Do you maintain like, a wanna... sense of open-mindedness yeah i would say yeah i would say i do i mean i think you know again like i said before like i believe that the bible is is god's word and and god's truth and i think that within that there are a handful of things that are that are non-negotiable things you know but uh but yeah but at the same time though you know i mean i would say there's a lot of Christians out there who wouldn't even dream of picking up a book like like The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's he, he's a very militant style atheist. And in there, you know, I think I think he says it in there that his goal is that if you are a Bible believing Christian, when you start the book, that you won't be by the time you finish the book, you know. And, you know, so I think that, that there are a lot of people, you know, a lot of Christians who wouldn't even dream of picking up a book like that or. Some who probably, if they, you know, if they pick it up, they might not be a believer by the end of it, you know, and, but, uh, you know. So does he attack it from a very, like, logical sort of view, or? Um, you know, I guess I can't give you specific examples, just, you know, just because it's been a couple of years since I've read it the last time. But, I mean, his, you know, he has, he is definitely writing against, uh, writing against, like, like, a, a, a Christian who is like I guess not not very intelligent in their faith I guess if that makes sense yeah someone who's maybe heard you know the message of the gospel and claims to be a Christian and you know might be able to quote some scripture and stuff but really doesn't know much beyond that yeah. you know and I mean not that that's a bad thing you know because we all have to start somewhere you know but in in the Bible one of the authors Paul talks about how like like when you're a, you know when you're an infant you get fed milk you know but, but as you grow you need meat and i think a lot of people we just kind of get satisfied with milk that we never move on to to meat if that makes sense yeah, <laughs> yeah. what is the meat for you now you know i think the meat for me now is um is um let's see. well i well i i do continue uh to study scripture 
I mean, I think that meat can come in, you know, in a great, in a great sermon from a pastor, in a good podcast <laughs> like this one. Subscribe if you haven't. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, or even just, a, you know, or even in just like a good uplifting conversation as well. You know, I don't think that meat has to come in a, you know, 6,000 page textbook or anything, you know, like you don't have to go and get like a PhD to get your meat, so to say. I think it's different for every person too, you know, because I could sit and I could read a theology book and feel like, like my, my faith has been, been, been increased or have a conversation and feel like my relationship with God is stronger because of that. Or my wife, for example, it's like the thought of, the thought of reading a huge theology textbook sounds like the most boring thing in the world, (laughs) you know, so it's different for everybody. So you're like a very logical person, right? Like, I'd say so. Yeah. So how do you um, how do you reconcile some of the you know, logical questions or um, unanswerable questions related to Christianity and the Bible and yeah all the mysticism elements to it? And... Yeah, well, I think you know that um, you know well Jesus clearly calls us to to faith as well you know and you know for me that like for a long time that that idea was a struggle you know because I want to have answers you know yeah. <laughs> you know but at the same time I think you know, you know, that we are called to this element of faith, you know, because, you know, because belief is required, you know, and, and belief is something, you know, that we're called to. And, you know, so I think for a lot of people, I mean, it kind of goes back to pride, you know, because pride demands proof, whereas faith, you know, faith is something, it's something that, that requires humility. So a lot of people, you know, who are very logical and prideful, it's like the idea of faith is like the worst thing ever because you can't prove it. Yeah. So what was like the first uh, transformational experience or decision that opened you up to being so open to faith? Yeah. You know, I think, um, um, you know, I think for me, probably that was my parents, you know, when I was younger, you know, they're both champions of faith in my life, seeing their relationship with God as I was young, you know, and as I was growing up, it's seeing people who you, uh, who you respect and admire, you know, such as parents live such a strong life of faith, you know, but yet who are able to have have quality conversations with people who are non-believers or right. have conversations w- with with people, you know, for example, again, we grew up in Thailand, which is a Buddhist culture, you know, so so to be able to have conversations with someone from the other side of the world from a completely different background and upbringing and stuff on this idea of, of faith you know, something that I admired in, in them and think that, that kind of helped me become, you know, the person of faith who I am today. Yeah, that's very cool. Thanks. So how did Thailand shape you as a place to grow up? Yeah, well, Thailand was a cool place to grow up. You know, it's like I talked to friends, you know, like in their earliest memories and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was three and I went to the Mall of America for the first time. And I remember when I was, you know, and well, it's like for me, it's like I remember when I was three and I rode an elephant or when I was, you know, like when I was four and we were at, we were at the, the petting zoo in Chiang Mai at that time, it was a lot more open. So it's like the animals were just kind of out. Like I remember this like massive Python that was just kind of like, <laughs> just kind of crawling on the ground and stuff. And there was an orangutan there and it took my mom's big cup of diet Coke she had and just chugged the rest of it. And, oh my you know, you know, so it was cool having, you know, just having like early memories of that plus i think being you know growing up you know there's a term for people like me i guess call them third culture kids you know so basically people who grow up outside of you know you know western american culture and stuff and you know i think that that definitely sets you up for a life of being a little more open and being open to things that are different different you know different cultures different languages you know different foods and stuff like my siblings and i like none of us are picky eaters just because we grew up with some weird foods. And, oh, Thailand has a plenty of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, so I think that, you know, growing up in Thailand definitely kind of set me up for a life of openness. Plus, like, Thai culture is like, you know, Thai culture is like some of the some of the warmest and most inviting people in the world. I mean, the land of 10,000 smiles. Everyone's always so happy to see you and, you know, and all that, you know, so I think that kind of helped me become who I am today, too. It's generally inviting and pretty smiley for the most part. Yeah. But... Huh. So you bring some of those cultural values into your home now oh, in for St. Sure. Paul, Minnesota? For sure, yeah. Yeah. It's neat. Can you talk a little bit about how 
how you approach your, your decisions you made through college? Yeah. So <clears throat> when I was in high school, I was working full-time as a karate instructor. And really, I thought that I was going to teach karate for the rest of my life. You know, like I loved it. It was great. And like I was making way more money than any high schooler should have made. And, really? Teaching karate? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. And yeah. And uh, so like I remember like two months before I started my junior year, my mom – what, uh, my mom asked me if I had ever thought about doing PSEO and you know PSEO is is like an option for uh, for high school juniors and seniors to basically go to college and take college classes but get credit for high school and college at the same time and so I was like yeah that sounds cool and so I started that my junior year and then I did that through my senior year and ended up getting my two-year associates degree three weeks before I graduated from high school but, but then after that, like, I was like, okay, well, now I don't really know, like, what I want to go to school for, you know, because, like, I already have a two-year degree, so I can't go and just get generals out of the way because my generals are, are already out of the way and stuff. So I took some time off of school, and then, you know, within that time, I uh, ended up quitting uh, teaching karate. It just didn't turn out to be what I had hoped, and it felt like God was calling me to something bigger and better than that. And so I was kind of torn then because I was like, well, I can go to music school because I really like music. I'm really passionate about music. Or I can go to like a Bible college and pursue a Bible education. And then not long after that, ended up getting offered a, a position at a church I was volunteering at the time, doing all of like the music and worship programming for uh, for their youth group. At that time, my mind was like, okay, well, I already have a job in music, so maybe I'll go and pursue a Bible degree now. So that was kind of what led to that. So I ended up um, uh, getting a bachelor's in uh biblical and pastoral studies and then ended up going on from there uh to get a master's in 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 theological studies as well so that's kind of my how do you respond to people when they're like what are you going to do for money how are you going to get a real job <laughs> yeah well i think you know with that i mean you're kind of pigeonholing yourself into kind of a small small career field with that because it's like okay well you can either work in a church or you can work in a school teaching bible stuff or you can work in something completely unrelated. Yeah, like service or your, something like your, that. Your, your schooling, yeah. Teaching karate. Yeah, 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 teaching karate. But yeah, so, so I was pretty set on, you know, either, either uh, you know, doing doing a worship ministry, working in a church, you know, doing, doing music and stuff like that, or doing like an academic route and, you know, basically pursuing teaching in like a private high school or a Christian college or yeah. something like that. So when people asked me when I was in school, Kind of one or the other. I was I was definitely open to both. You never wavered in your commitment to theology and no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, and even if you know, even if I would have graduated and then ended up in like a sales position or something like that, like I don't think that I would have felt like my time spent in school was wasted. You know, because I think you know that you know for me, I felt like it. Uh, you know, that my, my, my theological training and such, you know, is, you know, as a priceless, you know, is a priceless bit of knowledge that I, that I have, you know, and that I can share with others. And, you know, it's like, I feel like I've done most of my pastoring outside of a church, you know, just in conversations with people and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Could you maybe recount a conversation that you had where you feel like uh, you've heavily impacted someone who maybe wasn't a person of faith or was going through struggles of belief or yeah purpose yeah yeah definitely well but yes one of my really good friends is not a believer and so like over over the last couple of years we've just kind of had an ongoing dialogue and it's not like every time we get together you know we're you know it's not like he you know shows up or i show up and it's like all right let's you know let's talk more about god today or something like that you know it, like it just kind of naturally occurs in our conversations and you know and just you know over the last couple years of of conversations it's gone from you know like like hey hey ryan i'm an atheist to now he would say hey ryan i'm an agnostic you know so gone from the idea of there's no god to the you know to the baby steps of well there might be a god <laughs> you know yeah. and you know so for me that's a win you know that's that's like going from zero percent to one percent which is which is progress why is it important that other people outside of yourself believe in god um, you know, like I said before, like, I think that, well, um, um, so I believe that God, that God created the universe and everything that's in it. And I feel like that God desires a relationship with every bit of, of his creation, including us. 
And, you know, so I think, you know, that it is my biblical mandate to, to tell others about that as well. You know, even thinking beyond this life, thinking about like, you know, where I'm going to spend eternity and, you know, heaven and hell and all that stuff. And I heard there's a magician out of uh, Las Vegas, uh, I think Penn Gillette is his name from the Penn and Teller show. And like, I watched this little, this little video blog that he posted before. And you know, he was talking about like this guy who was like evangelizing to him and stuff. And, and he was, he said something along the lines of like, if you truly believe that someone who doesn't believe in God is, is going to hell, then how much you have to hate that person to not tell them that there's an alternative. And like, so for me, it's like, it's like, well, that's motivation enough. <laughs> you know, like if I truly believe that my friends who don't know about God will spend eternity without God, then like, how am I showing love to them or how am I being like Jesus to them by not telling them about that? Yeah. So if someone is like a generally good person and they just don't happen to believe in God, what do you think happens to them in the afterlife? Yeah. Well, well, you know, that's kind of a hard, hard question, I guess, you know, these days, because these days it's just all, all about being a good person, you know, like, you know, being, being friendly and all that. But again, um, you know, like I said, like, I believe that, you know, that every bit of the Bible is true. And, you know, Jesus himself said, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, you know, so it's like when people ask me, like, like how I feel about, like, you know, other, you know, other religions being, being as, you know, like equally valid, you know, and, and all that, you know, that's just kind of, you know, the stance that I take, you know, because I think, you know, that Jesus was either who, exactly who he said he was, or he was a crazy person, you know. I mean, you can't make claims, you know, that like, you know, that like you're God in the flesh or, you know, that you're the son of God and no one goes to the Father except through you. Like, I don't think you can take those teachings and be like, oh, he was, you know, he was just a good teacher. You know, he was a good, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. And it's like, it's like, well, if some dude showed up today and he's like, he's like, hey, I'm God, you know, be good to your friends and your family. But hey, I'm God, you know, like you're not going to look at him and be like, oh, he's a good teacher. He said, be good to your friends and family. It's like, you can't just brush past the parts where he says that he's God, you know. So you don't ever remember a time where you didn't have a faith in Jesus or a, a purpose? Um, you know, I would say there was, um, there was a time in my life actually when I was in my, uh, my master's program where I definitely felt like I needed to take some time to, to critically study other, you know, what other religions had to offer, you know, and, and like take a look at them, not, you know, like, like not with a Christian bias, you know, so like, um, so in my master's program, um, we had a couple classes on like comparative world religions and stuff and it was kind of cool the way that they had uh set it up was like the segment that was on like islam was taught by muslim you know and the segment that was you know that was on judaism was taught by a jewish guy and you know all that stuff so it's not like it's not like a class in world religions you know just like hey here's what here's what christianity has to say about islam and here's why islam's wrong you know but it was from a muslim guy and you know he's you know he's saying like this you know this is what i believe this is why I believe it, you know, and such. And then, you know, and then from there it was kind of left to us and critically of it and, and draw our own conclusions and decide where we wanted to go from there. Yeah. So I would say, you know, that I had definitely looked at other, other religions and maybe not as much as others and, you know, and maybe not as, as in depth as others may encourage. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, after looking at all these and, and comparing, them, you know, Christianity, you know, does seem to be the most logical to me. And that, you know, and that's why I choose to, you know, to pursue my relationship with, with God in that way. Yeah. So you seem like you have experienced other ways of seeing the world and other people from different, yeah, completely different cultures. Yeah. And in your passion statement, you talked about showing compassion to those in need. Mm -hmm. How does, um, how does who you are? Um, how does that contribute to your ability to show compassion? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, like I would say that's, that's something that I, um, that I picked up probably from, from one of my trips to Thailand. Cause I went, 
back to Thailand, I guess I haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, I spent uh, some time in 2010 and 2011 back in Thailand, uh, just on my own. But yeah, so spent some time there looking, uh, looking a little bit just at like the Buddhist culture and the, the way that, you know, like the way that the monks are and the way that like a good Thai Buddhist interacts with, you know, with Buddhism and those around them and such. And, and in, you know, within Buddhism, compassion is, is huge. And like, I don't know if, you know, if you've spent any time looking at like what the Dalai Lama talks about, but it's like, it's like pretty much everything that the Dalai Lama talks about, it just all goes back to this idea of compassion. But at the same time, too, that's something, you know, that, you know, looking back to the Bible, you know, that's something that, you know, that Jesus definitely demonstrated and, and, and commanded his followers to demonstrate as, right. as well, you know, just, just a life, uh, you know, filled with, with compassion towards others, both those right. who might, you know, who might be less fortunate, even those who might be more fortunate. Just because someone might be a multimillionaire, you know, it doesn't mean that they don't, doesn't mean that, that they don't need compassion and areas of their life as well right yeah cool yeah you seem very humble uh, in your leadership well mm-hmm. thanks <laughs> yeah thanks um so yeah you mentioned both in your purpose statement about love and in your christian faith that god is love yeah let's talk about your love life <laughs> all right from my understanding of your world you have uh, two people that you love very deeply that are very much a part of your life yeah one of them is your wife Kid. <laughs> one of them is screaming his head off upstairs yeah, right now. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's right. He'll be okay. So tell um, us like where you're at uh, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my wife and I, my wife Christina and I, just celebrated uh, three years of marriage. Yep. Congrats. Three years. I did make sure. And how I, old are you? Make sure I had that right. Uh, Twenty-seven. Nice. So we just celebrated three years of marriage uh, just this past August, August sixteenth. I remember that. Um, and then our son Soren, uh, he's just a little over a year old. Yeah, you know, being a husband and being a dad is, it's great. It's, I mean, of course, it's not without its challenges, and I'm not going to sit here and tell all the single guys out there, like, being, you know, being married is super easy, and being a dad is super easy, you know, because it's not, you know, but it's, it's like, you know, of course, when you have that love piece in there, you know, it makes, it makes things easier to work through, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. How have you rooted your relationship with your wife purposefully in Christianity. Yeah, well, um, um, so for me, when I was a young single bachelor, you know, like for me, it was important that I found someone who was e- who was equally in love with God as as I was. You know, like I didn't that that was the number one thing on the list. You know, of of things that you know that that I wanted in a in a future spouse and and uh, you know, so that was important just because like I didn't want to have like you know the fight every Sunday morning like are we going to church or or not, you know, and, you know, it's like, like in the evening, you know, it's like, well, are we going to pray before bed or not? And it's like, you know, are we going to spend our time filling our, filling our minds with good stuff? Or are we just going to, you know, do whatever we feel like doing stuff? But, but yeah, so that was important for me to have, you know, to have our relationship rooted in, you know, in the love that, you know, that God has for us and the love that we have for God, you know, and I think that, that, I think that growing closer to God helps us grow closer together as well. You know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of all wrapped up in, into one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And you have a, a son. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our son, his name is uh, Soren. He's, uh, he, he's a fun little guy. It's fun. You know, at this stage of, of life, he's, he's like 16 months right now. And I mean, he's slowly figuring out how, how to say words and, you know, he's, he's just been running around the house like crazy. And, you know, right now everything is a ball. He knows how to say ball. So <laughs> everything is a ball now. <laughs> and yeah. he just kind of points. And But uh, he's got a good throwing arm. And he's got, you know, he's got his teeth coming in like crazy. And, it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Being a dad is fun. Yeah, yeah. nice. <laughs> uh, do you have any goals for, for soaring yet? Or? Yeah, you know, you know, like... Like I remember when Christina was pregnant and, and like people would come and they would talk to me and they'd be like, you know, they'd be like, Oh, what kind of dad are you going to be? And I'm like, what does that even mean? (laughs) You know, it's like, well, I'm gonna try to be a good dad, (laughs) you know, but, uh, um, you know, like my hope and my prayer for Soren is I think first of all that, you know, you know, that he is able to, to develop a, uh, a firm relationship with God, you know, that is outside of my relationship with God, you know, something, you know, that he's able to, you know, that he's able to, to claim as, as his own, you know, 
like, you know, not, you know, not, not be a Christian because dad is a Christian, you know, but be a Christian because, you know, because that's, you know, that's the most logical conclusion, you know, you know, for him and such. Um, you know, I mean, outside of that, I mean, if he wants to, you know, if he wants to be an athlete and thrive on the basketball court, more, more power to him. I mean, I was never a great basketball player at all. I tried, I failed. Um, <laughs> and that's okay, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I mean, really outside of that, you know, like I said, the most important thing is, you know, is, is, um, you know, that, that he is able to develop that, you know, that relationship and understanding of God. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. How do you balance your, your relationship with your wife, with your friends, <laughs> with your, your purposes as an individual, with yeah. your, uh, with your son now in the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, what advice do you have for a good marriage? Uh, yeah. What advice do I have for a good marriage? Well, I think, you know, I think the good, well, one of the best things that I ever heard, uh, it was at a marriage conference that, that we were at earlier this year. And, um, the, the, the guy was saying, uh, it was expectation without conversation leads to conflict. You know, a lot of times we have all these expectations of, you know, this, this other person and, and, uh, you know, but then, you know, but then, you, but then you don't talk about it <laughs> and then, you know, and then all of a sudden you're upset because this thing wasn't, wasn't fulfilled and. You know, so with, with Christina and I, I mean, we definitely, um, we definitely do our best to, you know, to be in pretty constant communication with each other. And, you know, just like, you know, if, you know, like if there's something like if I'm leaving for a long day of work and the house is a disaster, I'm not just going to leave for work and then just expect the house to be clean when I get home from work, you know? So it's like, I have no problem saying like, Hey, like if, if you get a chance today, you know, would you mind, you know, make sure the house is is cleaned up and she you know she does the same with me if if she's leaving for her evening at work and the kitchen is a disaster she's always like hey if you wouldn't mind taking care of the dishes while i'm gone at work you know that'd be really helpful and stuff like that so i mean i think just don't be afraid to have good good communication yeah you know one of the ways that we balance our our marriage in regards to you know soren and friends and all that is we have a date night once a week so every tuesday night for us is just blocked off on the calendar and, you know, that's our, you know, that's our time just, to, just to be together. And her mom has, has agreed to come and watch Soren every Tuesday that she's, you know, that she's able. And so she comes over every Tuesday evening and, you know, sometimes it's just going for a walk around the block, you know, we're walking a mile down to the Dairy Queen to get some ice cream or something like that, you know, or we might go out for dinner. We might go to a movie. We might go, we don't really have an agenda, you know, for the most part, it's just, you know, it's just a time for the two of us. To spend together, you yeah. know, because if we aren't in love with each other, then I don't think that we can be the best parents that we can be to Soren. I mean, at least that is important to us to make sure that we have a strong marriage so we can be strong parents to, yeah. to Soren. And then one of the ways that we balance our relationship, you know, with, with like friendships and stuff is, you know, is that we make time for our friends. Like, you know, when we got married, we were pretty specific that we weren't going to be like, you know, those people who get married and then like you never see them again you know kind of yeah. thing. they just kind of shut everybody out and just like it's all about it's all about this person you know um i mean we definitely you know we definitely know that each other is always gonna come first and you know but at the same time it's like we know it's healthy to have you know to still have friends we're very gracious with each other when it comes time spending time with, with other friends and like if she wants to to take a an overnight trip with her girlfriends or something like that somewhere you know that's totally fine and yeah. You know, if I want to go hunting, you know, go on a hunting trip with some friends, that's, that's fine. I mean, of course, everything in moderation. It's like, I don't spend three days a week for all of hunting season mm -hmm. going on trips with friends, you know, right. I mean, you know, a big part of having a healthy marriage is, you know, is learning to say no to other things. Cause there's always going to be, there's always going to be, you know, like the next, the next great party or, you know, some, some invitation for, you know, for another guy's night out or something like that, you know, but it's just kind of everything in moderation, you know, just like, like moderating what you say yes to and, you know, moderating, moderating what you say no to. What are some other life tenets you live by that you could maybe quickly list? You just talk about everything in moderation. Yeah. Balance, yeah. Right? I mean, everything in moderation, you know, you know, that kind of goes with everything, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, that's how you keep from being, a, you know, that's how you keep from becoming an alcoholic, you know, just, you know, have your, you know, have your alcohol in moderation if you want, if you want that or like, like that's how you avoid hard friendships is how you avoid well i guess i guess really other you know other addictions as well you know just 
I mean, there are things, you know, that in moderation, they're not going to kill you, you know, <laughs> and, right. you know, so just, you know, it's kind of moderating, moderating, you know, your intake amount of, 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 of whatever, you know, whether that's, you know, time spent with, with your guys instead of your wife or, you know, time spent, time spent at, spend at work versus time spent at home or, or I know once people like find something they're really passionate about, they, I mean, certain people I know have the tendency to just put all their energy and focus and effort towards that. Yeah. How would you apply moderation to, uh, I don't know, maybe like feeling filled up with God's love and wanting to be fully involved in like church worship for yeah. 60 hours a week? Is yeah. That, yeah. Well, that, I mean, I so think, healthy? yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, you know, like, like that even good things like that, you know, like even those things could be potentially detrimental to a marriage, you know, like, you know, if I got offered a, you know, say I got offered a position at a church, you know, where I was going to be leading, leading people in, in worship for, you know, for 12 hours a day, six days a week, you know, it's like, it's like, that's a great position. I mean, of course it'd be draining, you know, but say, say they were going to pay me tons and tons of money to do it as well. You know, so it was great, you know, financially, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's great work for the kingdom of God, you know, but at the same time, like that would not be healthy, you know, for my marriage, you know, and, and, you know, so it's like, I mean, I think that there are, you know, there are definitely things, you know, that could be great things, but they can also take away from other stuff as well. You know, like they could take away, they could take away from like the health of your marriage or even your personal health, yeah. all of that stuff, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, I love bananas and well, so does Soren, you know, Soren would eat bananas all day, every day if, you know, if I allowed him to, you know, but it's like, I don't think that's very healthy if all you ate all day, every day was bananas. Right. You know, I mean, other people might, you know, might disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, right. but yeah, so it's like, you know, it's like bananas are good, but if, you know, but if that's all you do, that's all you're eating. That's not, you know, that's not healthy for you. Right. So. Apply moderation to yeah. about everything you can. Yeah. Cool. What would you do if you could make $10 million annually, regardless <laughs> of what your profession is? If I can make $10 million annually... Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it's like I've never really, really desired like a like a super lavish lifestyle. Like I don't, you know, it's like I, you know, it's like sure I might get a little bit, you know, a little bit nicer house, you know, but it's like nobody needs a you know sixty thousand square foot house or anything like that. But it's like it's like I mean I like my car, you know, I'm happy with my car. I'm you know I'm happy, you know, with you know the type of coffee I drink, and you know I'm happy, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like I'm happy having a frozen pizza every now and then and it's like I wouldn't need a personal chef or anything like that you know so I mean I think I probably I mean honestly like I know it sounds kind of cliche but it's like I probably would give a good chunk of it away you know how would you give it away you know I probably would give give a lot of it to my parents you know my dad's 60 63 and you know he still works and so, so I probably would you know just give them some money so that way you know that they could you know they could retire in a in a comfortable way i mean not that you know i mean i guess i don't know the state of my dad's retirement fund you know so maybe he wants to maybe he wants to keep working i don't know uh, <laughs> you know but but either way you know so i probably would give it away you know like give some to family and probably give a good chunk to my church and the different uh charitable organizations and all that stuff because because yeah cause, I, mean, I don't think that i would ever feel right spending all that money on you know just on myself you know do you think we have a duty to help others i think so i think we have a duty to help others you know i think yeah yep we do we have a duty to help others <laughs> very, very <laughs> yeah cool. i like this yep. answer. there's no argument with that so yeah i just wanted to ask a couple final questions yeah. about maybe some advice you could give for others that are maybe not quite as far along on their path of purpose as you or are wavering between different options yeah or, finding uh, roadblocks or have fears or yeah. afraid to make some of the sacrifices necessary. What do you, what do you do to stay motivated and learning more and providing like fresh perspective in your life when, mm-hmm. when you do live such a, a life that is entering some level of security where you have a home, you have yeah. family right by you, you have a job you love, you have a kid you love, you have your wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know I mean? I think, like a lot of people, when they get to, when they have like a master's degree in some form of Bible study and all that stuff, you know, it's like they feel like there's not really a whole lot more that the Bible can teach them, you know. So, you know, it's like I still read the Bible every day. I, you know, I still spend my, you know, my quiet time, you know, with God every day, 
in you know just in in, in prayer and just you know, meditating mm. on God's word and because I don't think anyone is ever is ever you know so far along in their in, in their you know faith journey you know to stop you know to stop spending time you know spending quiet time with God you know so I'd say that's you know for me that's a big one as far as like others who maybe aren't you know as far along in their you know in their you know, path. To finding their purpose or to developing a purpose statement and stuff. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, the best thing to do is just to start big, you know, I mean, like start with a wide, you know, you know, you know, like start with a wide purpose, you know. So maybe for someone who's starting off, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, your purpose in life can be maybe to show love to one new person every day kind of thing, you know. So it's like, well, okay, you start that. And then a little challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, you know, like a, like, like a daily bucket list. <laughs> or something like that, oh, you know, or daily to do list, something like that, you know, and, you know, and then from there, you know, I mean, you know, that might turn into something, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe if, if someone's purpose, you know, just, you know, just for an example, maybe someone's purpose is, is, is to save up a lot of money in their life, you know, well, okay, every, every day put $5 in your savings account, something like that, you know, so I mean, you just start, start, start general, start, start maybe, you know, start small, and then from there, you know, you're able to kind of, you know, refine your, your path towards, I guess, finding or developing your purpose. How do you uh, recommend finding key people or mentors or finding like leaders for, for you down that path? As far as that, I mean, I would say find people who it's like, you can look at them and for example, if they're older, you know, like someone who you can look at and be like, wow, when I'm your age, I want to be just like you. Cause I think that is a great, you know, I mean, that, that's a great sign that, that you're following the right people, I guess. To use my dad as an example, it's like, you know, like when I'm 63, I hope that I'm, I hope that I'm like my dad, you know, he's still active, you know, he's still in great shape, you know, he's, he's still a super good musician. He's super active in, in, you know, in the church that he attends he, you know, I mean, he, he's a super outgoing, super loving, you know, super generous to people. And, you know, so like I look at someone like him and I was like, wow, he's not a grumpy old man, you know, like, or yeah. like, like he, like, I mean, he's still a better musician than I will ever be, yeah. you know, and, you know, and all of that, you know, so, you know, he's one example of, you know, someone who I look up to and, um, you know, it's like, it's like, wow, like when I'm your age, I hope that I'm, that I'm just like you, you know, but at the same time, not all of our, not all of our role models are, are much older than us, you know, so. Like I have close friends who have qualities, like I have one friend who is, who's just like super patient, you know, and you know, it's, it's like, wow, like I want my patience to be like your patience, you know? So I spend time with that person to, you know, just to... For the purpose of understanding how to be better in patience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, not the sole purpose of that, I guess, you know, because then that would basically be like, hey, I'm using you so I can be patient, <laughs> you know, right, right, kind yeah. of thing, you know? But at the same time, you know, I mean, like people who have qualities, uh, you know, like that I admire... And all that, but also at the same time, you know, it's like it's like if I'm always reaching up, grasping onto the hand of someone who's who's you know older or wiser or whatever. It's like then I'm always taking. So I think you know that with every with every person who who we reach up and try to strive to be more like, we also have to reach down to help others as well in in a similar regard. You know, so it's yeah, so it's always you know about like you know reaching up to better yourself. But then also reaching down to help better others. Mm. So, so you you do see yourself as a mentor for others right now? I mean, I'd like to. I mean, at least I hope that I am. <laughs> you know, I hope. Do people there's... call you your mentor? But their mentor. You know, I guess. I would say that there are people in my life who might view me that way, but at the same time, I don't want to just go out and say like, "Oh yeah, I'm a mentor." To this person and that person and this person, and, you know, it's like yeah. I mean, I, I guess I don't have any like formal mentorship relationships with others, but at the same time, it's like I mean, I would hope that you know that, that I'm able to to mentor you know friends through my actions or through my words in various areas of their life. Yeah. Do you have any uh, quotes that you live by that's maybe stuck with you for your whole life, any, or really kind of gets to the core of who you are, any quotes why you're living? Yeah. Um. You know, or a verse of the Bible, or whatever. Yeah. Is poignant to you. Yeah. Like as far as quotes go, you know, it's like I'm not a big quote guy, you know. It's but which is fine. Um. You know, as far as verses go, I mean, there's a verse in in First uh, Corinthians, uh, that that says, uh, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, 
uh, do everything for the glory of God. That's kind of something to strive for. And again, just a constant reminder that like it's not about it's not about me, you know, but it's it, it, it's all about God. So that's one that I live by. I mean, another one like I shared before that's recorded in a couple of the Gospels. But basically, you know, when Jesus says, "Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself," you know, that's kind of again one that I like to live by. And again, that's something that I'm not perfect at. That there are definitely times when I'm, you know, when I'm driving down the highway and I'm yelling at the car next to me because they're trying to merge into my lane and stuff, you know, so I'm not going to sit here and claim like I'm a perfect person and, you know, like like I live the Bible perfect every day because I don't, but thankfully God's grace is sufficient enough for me that he's still able to love me despite my failures and try to love others in the same way. Very cool. <laughs> I feel the love. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. So what actionable step are you going to take next? Do you have a lingering question or something you want help working through? Do you need support in doing what it's going to take to live your purpose? People of Purpose is here for you. Subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our wonderful guests. Do you have any friends that might enjoy this episode or the podcast? Bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. If you want to actually see the guests behind the voices, as well as the purposeful people and communities I'm a part of around the world, Follow the podcasting journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast. You can connect with our purpose-seeking community on Facebook at People of Purpose by liking and following our page. Know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose opportunities, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration and media I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me, to nourish your personal path of purpose. For the ultimate engagement, Join our intentional group, Purpose Seekers, from the Facebook page. Join in longer-form discussions, link up with accountability partners, and share in opportunities and challenges to better know and grow in your purpose. Send me a direct message on either Facebook or Instagram if you want to talk privately and receive personalized guidance on how to raise your sails and write your ship. Come forth with your biggest dreams and aspirations, and I will do my best to connect you with the necessary resources and mentors from my network to start your trek along your personal path of purpose. Cheers, and here's to becoming 